0: Eons past, a monstrous hybrid of land and marine reptiles was sealed into a state of suspended animation, slumbering through the fall of dinosaurs and the rise of man. But awakened by an undersea nuclear test, the creature returned to life, now breathing the fires of radiation. Stan Lee presents Godzilla, King of the Monsters. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 103 of Lizards Great and Small, Godzilla King of the Monsters issue 17, December 1978 cover date. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, which is a podcast about comic books that Marvel published that were not their own properties, but instead were licensed properties. And for this episode, we're going to be talking about Toho's Godzilla, which is, I mean, listen, you have to be living under a rock to not know about Godzilla if you are a comic book fan or a moviegoer or you know, anyone who's interested in pop culture. Um, now, maybe you can be interested in pop culture under your rock, but <laughs> if you are out from under a rock and you are super into pop culture, you're going to know Godzilla. And Marvel Comics counted on that, and that's why they did this series. And so we're going to talk about issue number 17. So after the human fly, uh, I need a, a palate cleanser. And looking at the cover of Godzilla number 17, I think I just may have found that palette cleanser. Oh man, this cover. So the cover date is uh, December 1978 and the issue is number 17. We of course picked this up on our journey back in time to September 1978. The on sale date was September 5th, 1978. Cover price, 35 cents. And if you look at this cover, you're thinking to yourself, if you're me anyway, it's worth the price because this time the giant monster that we have our low angle looking up at is not Godzilla. Now, our low angle is looking up at Godzilla, but Godzilla is smaller than the monster, the monster that looms large. Now, there are two things that loom in the background. One is a guy in a trench coat with a butterfly net. The other is Rob to- – Talk. To- uh, it's Rob <laughs> and – Uh, it's it's Arkeny, and they're both running toward this other largely looming figure that's crouching down and reaching out for our victim godzilla and it's dum-dum-dugan yes on the cover of this comic book you basically have dum-dum-dugan taking the place of the monster taking the place of the king of the monsters and the king of the monsters is on the run from dum-dum-dugan now You know, On a normal cover, you might have Godzilla breathing fire, Uh, but our monster, he's not breathing fire. No, he's just got a cigar with a lot of smoke coming out of it, but he's reaching out for this tiny Godzilla, tiny G. That's what I'm going to call him uh, as we get to that point in the comic, but like I said, I look at this comic book, and I think to myself, 35 cents, sign me up, hand it over, take my money. This is going to be good. The cover alone was a palate cleanser from Human Fly last segment. Now, we are going to get some weirdness. We are going to get some cheesiness. We are going to get just some kitsch, all right? And that's great. It is just what we need. And honestly, um, maybe I should save this for the end of the podcast, but this is set up for more kitsch and better kitsch this is all set up for what's coming next but it has to happen it has to happen in order to get there this is chapter one of another you know round of stories that aren't you know we've had we had the two cowboy stories we had the uh the trilogy with the monsters from outer space well this is set up for another series i don't know how long it's going to take i don't know how long this is going to go but this is definitely set up for at least one more issue of genuine Godzilla shenanigans. That is right. GGS Genuine Godzilla Shenanigans happening in this in this next issue. In this issue, there's Godzilla shenanigans, but it's not so genuine. <laughs> case in point, I mean, well, before we look at this at this case in point, the scene one, let's talk about our credits because uh, Doug Mensch is the writer, the penciler is Herb Trimpy. I mean, it's, and and the art honestly is it's good i mean the art is good all the way around um the anchor is daniel green the letterer is bruce d patterson and the colorist is ben sean and of course i'm reading it um from my time machine <laughs> But I am reading in black and white uh, in the Essentials volume that Marvel Comics printed. And I love this volume so much. I don't know. There's something about the black and white artwork for this. It doesn't bother me as much as when I read it and some other things. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's get into the story. You know, this is where, like I said, we're getting some Godzilla shenanigans. Not necessarily genuine Godzilla shenanigans because our first scene – It's basically Godzilla is grazing. Yes, he is grazing. He's just eating leaves off the top of trees. And then he stretches his arms and he lets out a mighty yawn and he lays down and takes a nap because he's very tired from the whole ordeal with the cowboys and the cows and all that stuff and i read this scene i'm just thinking what, what is this you know but here's what's cool about it i mean it's cheesy yes and that's setting us up for cheesiness you know this is not a bad thing now if i'm a young reader i'm reading this and it just it's natural that godzilla would take a nap as an older reader i'm reading this and i'm just thinking well You know, this is what the plot needs us to do. We need a sleeping Godzilla, which we'll find out why in in just a few pages. But, um, I mean, it is, it's funny and cheesy to me because they actually just show Godzilla yawning and stretching. And honestly, it takes me back to the movies of the seventies. You know, it takes me back to when Godzilla was dancing, you know, and doing, um, dance moves as he's fighting, you know, other monsters or something. But Yeah. (laughs) that's our opening scene now scene two has shield following up with the cowboys from from last issue and we have the giant what the the giant i think leviathan uh version of the helicarrier it's it's the one that you can put godzilla in if you wanted to um but scene three is where things well no it's not really where things start moving (laughs) It's, it's not. Uh, oh, by the way, it's not the, the Leviathan. It's the behemoth. You know, I, I get the two mixed up. They're both uh, biblical monster terms. So uh, I think you can understand why I might get it mixed up. But you have Rob, you have Jamie Woo, you have Tamara, and then you have uh, Hugh Howard. <laughs> yes. Hugh Howard's wearing a fedora, smoking a pipe with a loose tie. This, if he's nothing, this guy is definitely. Um, I mean it's it's howard hughes you know and, and it's honestly to me it, it reminds me of howard stark uh from the movies now howard stark from the movies and agent carter the tv show came well after this but um hugh howards he's he's uh yeah it's he's there he's in this issue and he's trying to figure out why Rob is feeling so down. Rob is feeling so down that he doesn't even want to go and mess with the controls of the helicarrier. And really Rob is feeling down because he, he's not going to be able to be the Kenny anymore. I mean, at least he doesn't think he's going to be the Kenny anymore. We're, we're I'm sure we're going to get more of him as the Kenny. And what is the Kenny? Well, that's the annoying kid who has some sort of connection with the monster. And it's named after a kid from the Gamera series. Um, And I, I don't know who coined the phrase of just calling the kid, the Kenny. But for me, I didn't coin it for myself. I got it from Mystery Science Theater 3000, the Gamera series, which is one of the most awesome DVD sets that I own. It's the only Mystery Science Theater 3000 or thousand series uh, or DVDs that I own. And it comes from the Gamera set that they did. So anyway, um, awesome set. Check it out. Definitely check it out. Mystery Science Theater and Gamera were made for each other. So anyway, he's upset because he just wants to sit at the controls of Red Ronin again. And so he's all mopey. And he's just He's acting like, you know, a young teen should and a young teen would be upset because he can't do what he wants to do you know but it's not because he wants to date someone it's not because he wants to take the car out it's not because his parents won't let him go to the concert no it's because shield won't let him drive the multi-million dollar enormous skyscraper sized robot anymore (laughs) you know so he he's just mopey moping along and you know, his sister doesn't know what to do about it. Howard Hughes doesn't know what to do about it. Uh, Jimmy Woo doesn't know what to do about it. And they're saying, no, it's going to be okay. Cause we're going to fix red Ronan. And you know, the, the, cause he, I mean, there's two things stopping him from running red Ronan. One thing that's stopping him from running red Ronan is it's nearly destroyed. The other thing is that they will never let him ever drive this thing again. And this is what they should be doing, not letting him. and, they say it'll be fixed. Stark technologies, they'll take care of things. And he says, Yeah, and once it's fixed, they're not gonna let me combine with it ever again. I have a mental connection with this thing. And Jimmy Woo doesn't answer. And then he turns to Rob's sister, Tamara, and says, I wanted to tell him something else. I didn't want to say that, you know, I, I wanted to give him an answer, but I I didn't give him an answer. I couldn't because I couldn't lie to him. You know that's good. That's good. But Tamara says, "Well, he's just too old for his age," and you know it's like the opposite of boys will be boys, I guess. But I mean, come on. I, I mean, I understand Rob moping and everything. Uh You know, and he's addicted. He 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 drifted to to coin the or to take the phrase from Pacific Rim. He he drifted with with red ronin there was a connection there but red ronin is a mindless automaton i mean it needs a driver i don't know how he connected with it if there's nothing to connect with it's like me really connecting with my macbook or me really connecting with my vcr or you know (laughs) it's it's not real i do know people who connect with their cars in fact now that I mention it, my car, um, we named our van silver surfer and we named my car red Ronan, but I don't connect with it like that. Some people do, some people do. And that's where some road rage comes from. You get into a fender bender with someone who is in love with their car and, you know, look out because you have just assaulted a part of them. So I don't know, maybe there's more to this whole Rob being addicted, connected, to red ronin thing but it's just kind of it's not the right kind of cheese for me so scene four our team our shield team is visited by dr gladstone hawkins a noted paleontologist who wants to study godzilla and dugan you know dugan no longer wants to kill the beast and so he makes sure do you want to study it or do you want to kill it and gladstone hawkins does not want to kill it he wants to study it. I mean, he wants to learn. He wants to learn. And they talk about this whole problem they have. And Gabe just happens to say something like, if he wasn't so big, if only he wasn't so big. And that gives Dugan an idea. So Dum Dum Dugan sends Gabe to New York City while Dugan and the others go to find the big G. In scene five, Godzilla was easy to find. Now he's still napping. And they want to creep up closely <laughs> with their uh helicarrier make sure they don't wake him up uh until gabe gets back and when gabe gets back from his mission now they're gonna wake him up so they're coming in real quiet with their helicarrier and then they have rob go up on the helicarrier and yell out to godzilla hey wake up wake up godzilla it's me i'm here and so Godzilla doesn't wake up because there's a helicarrier hovering over his head. No, he wakes up because there's a child yelling at him from the deck of the helicarrier hovering over his head. Now, the way that they try and portray it is that it's a familiar voice, a tiny sound that's a familiar voice, but it's a little funny. And uh, But Godzilla recognizes the voice, and since Godzilla is friend to all children – wait, no, that's Gamera. Gamera is friend to all children. But Godzilla is friend to – rob uh godzilla wakes up godzilla stands up godzilla gets closer to the helicarrier uh the, the captions say can a monster smile does godzilla smile now perhaps but then you turn the page and this is actually kind of nice and i feel a little bit bad for both rob and for godzilla because at this point uh there's treachery shield attacks And they have used Rob to get Godzilla to come in closer and they attack. Now, how do they attack? They attack by spraying gas into Godzilla's mouth. And this, this is a special gas uh, from a certain Dr. Henry Pym. This is a gas that is laced with Pym particles, reducing gas They're shrinking him. Now, obviously, we knew from the cover that this was going to happen. But I love, love, love that Iron Man gets involved with creating this giant suit of armor. And you have um, Ant-Man get involved with shrinking Godzilla down. it's great and it's kind of funny because then the the fight scene that happens after this it kind of gets into that the whole idea of the cover where you have uh, dugan towering over godzilla but godzilla grabs dum-dum dugan but before he can hurt dum-dum dugan he starts to shrink and he shrinks and shrinks and shrinks it's not real fast because everyone's nervous that the dum-dum dugan is going to get hurt by this but um shrinks and shrinks until uh, he's small enough that he tries to get away from Dum Dum Dugan and dum dum Dugan captures him by grabbing him by the tail and it's kind of fun. it's kind of cheesy. it's kind of it, okay, it's not kind of cheesy. it's cheesy. uh the only thing Godzilla is able to do is he bites Gabe's hand <laughs> and but doesn't do much damage because he's so small and they catch him uh it's that Dr Hawkins catches him with a giant butterfly net. And he is caught. And when they walk away, the, the paleontologist actually, um, like he slings the, the, the net, the stick of the net over his shoulder and just has Godzilla hanging behind him. And Rob at this point is trying to, um, convince Godzilla he'll be all right. And then we get the captions, the next issue caption, uh, first it says, you'll be all right, Godzilla, I promise. And then the, the caption says, but that remains for the future. To decide. And it says next issue entering not as the conquering king, but merely as a diminutive specimen. Godzilla nevertheless fights back in New York. And so we are going to get Godzilla in New York, but it is Tiny G who will be there, not the big G. And <sighs> sophisticated? No. No. Not at all. Mature adult entertainment? No. No. Not in the sense of what comics say, but also not in the sense of what I would say is a definition of mature adult entertainment where it's just, you know, made for adults to uh, enjoy and think about and ruminate over. No. No, it's not. This is just trying to catch a monster and get a clever idea and then following through with it to set up some problems that are going to happen next issue And I enjoyed it so much. It is so fun to have this kind of thing. And, you know, there are so many serious things that I deal with uh, in my job. Uh, There are so many serious things that, that we just deal with in general in the world. And, yes, I know Godzilla started out as a commentary on one of the worst tragedies in human history. Not the worst tragedy. I mean, I don't know what what I would consider to be the worst tragedy, but it's definitely one of them. And sometimes it becomes commentary on bad, bad things that are going on around us in our world. But it's also Godzilla is also an escape. And if you're not watching those episodes of of the movie series where it is this heavy handed um, think about global warming or think about this or that or the other thing or you know, smog and, and pollution. Even then sometimes it's just cheesy fun. And sometimes it's nice to have just cheesy fun. And you know, my new phrasing that I've been using and and I, I think it's the, there's some truth to it I don't know if it's the perfect phrase okay and it's not something that I'm going to use to judge people by but honestly you know if you're not having fun reading your comics you're doing it wrong and that's not to say I mean even looking at the Godzilla movies you know I have fun watching the original Godzilla because of what it is and the statements it's making and you know as I try and understand you know what is it trying to say and all these things it's not fun to watch reenactments of the tragedy of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's not the fun part. The fun part is that you're affected by it. And so even watching a super heavy movie or reading, you know, blankets or something where it's a you know a comic book or a graphic novel, Mouse is another example. Mouse is an example of, yeah, when I read it, I'm not having fun reading it, but it is affecting me. And it ends up being a positive experience. If you're reading comics and the comics you're reading, you're just like, Ugh. oh, this is dumb. But why i am going to continue buying it? And I'm kind of doing that with Man Thing, honestly. I, I am. I totally admit it. I've just bought issue four. I'm not enjoying it, but I'm buying it just as a completion. Um, but I do kind of look at um, Rob Kelly. And I'm not sure exactly. It's been a while now since I've listened to the Fire and Water podcast. But Rob Kelly stopped reading uh, new Aquaman stories for a while. Uh, he may have gotten back into it. I'm not sure. But I do know when he stopped, uh, I, I look at that and I say to myself, you know what? It's cool. It's cool that he's not talking about modern Aquaman stories. That, and he doesn't feel obligated to to do so just because he's the Aquaman fan. Um, so anyway, that's, that's where I'm coming from. This was nice. This was fun. Now, Human Fly... Yeah, I'm not having fun so much, but I am having fun being tortured by it. I don't know if that oh, that's that makes me sound like some sort of freak. I am not a freak. Um the badness of it is enjoyable. Uh talking about it is fun because there is still some stuff to it even as it's bad, but uh yeah, definitely Godzilla here was a lot of fun. So, next issue, can't wait see what happens I mean I've seen what happens I've read what happens I just don't remember exactly what happens I know we've got some stuff coming up where he's going to guest star with some characters that we've been talking about and I know that we're going to get some stuff where he is just having um there's going to be some gratuitous uh superhero cameos but yeah so that's that with Godzilla so next we're going to be taking a look under the sea with Another Peter Benchley related uh, story. So until next time, I want to thank you for listening and I want to wish you, no matter how tall or how small you are in your journeys, I want to wish you Godspeed. next episode a Marvel Super Special in full Marvel Color based on characters from the Smash Universal movie Jaws 2.
1: then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at two twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality.